members of Good Shepherd Congregation, family and friends that have gathered here to pay their last respects, and especially to you, dear Edith, grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation today, words that I had the uh, privilege to share with Lane and Lane and Edith together on many a home visits. The first two verses of the psalm that we heard and spoke just uh, a few moments ago, Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So far text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Blessings, when we think about blessings, sometimes we think about the opposite of blessings. Curses. You know, if you think about it, our entire life is really filled with a, a seemingly non-ending series of blessings and curses, curses and blessings. One man's blessing is another man's curse and vice versa. It was many years ago in Northeast Nebraska, getting ready for a summertime church service, one of the members came up to me and said, Pastor, we are in desperate need of rain. Please pray for rain. Okay. So I constructed the most beautiful, artistic petition and prayer, begging the God of creation to remember our need to send down rain from above, to water the earth, to make it flourish and bud and grow. And I have to admit, I was uh, quite proud of myself and that prayer. And then, after the church service, I received one of the biggest dressing downs I have ever received as a pastor. Another farmer came up to me after the service and said, what are you doing praying for rain? I've got hay down. I need sunshine, not rain. One man's blessing is another man's curse. One man's curse is another man's blessing. Blessings and curses. We read about them all throughout the pages of Scripture. In the very beginning, we see how God created the world with the power of His Word, and He blessed the earth. He blessed the earth to make it fruitful and grow, he blessed the crown jewel of his creation, Adam and Eve, and he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Would have been wonderful if that was the end of the story. Just a, a lifetime, not only for Adam and Eve, but for all of their descendants, 
of never-ending blessings. But unfortunately, Adam and Eve weren't satisfied with the blessings of God. Adam and Eve thought they had better words than the Lord God himself. They tried to take matters into their own hands. They ate the forbidden fruit. And they brought sin and death, all of sin's consequences, the wrath of God and the curses of God down upon themselves and upon all creation. Can you imagine a world with no weeds? Can you imagine a world with no tornadoes or hurricanes or as we hear so often on the news in this part of the world, damaging hail and winds? You can't, can you? Because that's all we've ever known. All of these curses are a result of our first parents' fall into sin. Can you imagine a world without cancer? Or without dementia? Or without mass shootings? Without pain and sorrow? Depression, melancholy, you can't, can you? I can't. All of these are curses that were brought down upon the world and people as a result of our first parents fall into sin. My friends, it would be tragic if that was the end of the story. But it's not. Our God is not primarily a God of curses. He's got a blessing. And even after Adam and Eve fell into sin, and he pronounced the Curses of sweat and toil and weeds when we work and pain and childbearing and all of the other things in Genesis chapter 3. God spoke a word of blessing, a word of promise, a word of comfort, a word of hope, oftentimes called the Proto-Evangel, the first gospel, Genesis 3.15. God promised that he would send a savior into this world. One who would restore the broken relationship that now existed between the creation and the creator. He would send a savior into the world who would crush Satan's head once and for all. One who would bring about the blessing of the forgiveness of sins. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, this promise of blessing was given again and again and again. Many people believed. Many people did not. 
They laughed at the word of God. They laughed at the prophets who brought the word of God. Not only did they laugh at the prophets, they killed the prophets because they thought they had better words than the word of God. But my friends, even though many rejected the promise of the blessings of God, God did as he always does. He kept his word. He kept his word of promise. He kept his word of gospel. He kept his word of blessing. And when the time was right, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem all of us who are cursed by the law. Jesus, who took up residence in the womb of the Virgin Mary, God of God, light of lights, begotten of the Father from all eternity, took on flesh and blood to bless us. Jesus lived a perfect life, something we can't do no matter how hard we try. He fulfilled God's holy and, for us, condemning law. Jesus didn't have to die. He didn't sin. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus freely and willingly took our sin, took our condemnation, took our punishment, took our curses into himself and onto himself all the way to Calvary's cross, dying the death we deserved. Naked, suspended between heaven and earth, Jesus cries out, it is finished. What is finished? Salvation. Your salvation. Your blessings. How do we know it's true? Three days later, the stone-cold dead body of Jesus came back to life. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is God's stamp of approval on everything Jesus said and did. It's the epitome of God's blessings. God has now earned our blessings. How do we get it? We can't pay for it or pray it into our hearts or hope really hard or compare ourselves and our blessings and curses to others. It is gift, pure gift, because our God is a gift-giving gift. Good Friday and Easter are poured out on us in the waters of holy baptism. God makes his dwelling in us. And we long to hear his word and be reminded of his many blessings, even, even as we live in a world that seems to be only comprised of curses. You see, the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus became a curse for us. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus was cursed so that we would be blessed. One man's curse is another man's blessings. That's the essence of the gospel. 
That's the simplicity of the good news today. My friends, it was that gospel that Lane clung to with all of his heart. It was that gospel, that good news, that forgiveness of sins that sustained him these many years. Lane always, when he was physically able, came to church. He knew of no other way. He came to God's house because he knew who he was. He wasn't perfect. He's a good guy. Great dad, great husband, pretty good tennis player, excellent teacher. All, all of these earthly blessings that God had given him that he loved and enjoyed. But he knew he wasn't perfect. That's why he wanted to be in God's house. He wanted to hear that, that good news, that forgiveness for him. And when he couldn't drive anymore, he walked. Oh, it's not all that far. But amazing dedication. And when he couldn't walk anymore, too easy to get mixed up. We had the privilege of bringing God's word, God's gifts, God's blessings to him. You know, you never really could carry on a long conversation with Lane. He's a man of few words. You could ask him about Texas. You could ask him about teaching. You could ask him about tennis. You could ask him about weathers, you, weather. You could ask him about what book he was reading. And he was always a gentleman and always polite and would rarely give anything more than a four or five word answer. And that's okay. He knew we weren't there to chit chat or pal around. He wanted to get right to it. He wanted to hear what, what God had to say to him that particular day. He wanted to eat Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. He wanted to have God's blessings pronounced upon him and his wife in the benediction. And at the end of our visits, it was always the same. He'd shake my hand, say, thank you, hope to see you soon. My friends, Lane Isaacson, as the world judges, is not rich, is not famous, has no lasting legacy.
my friends, don't be, fo don't be fooled by what the world thinks or says. He leaves an amazing witness and an amazing legacy. A child of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, who longed to hear the word of God. My friends, there's no greater legacy in the entire world. Lane was truly blessed. My friends, I am truly blessed for having known him. And I will miss our visits, but I will see him again by grace through faith, on account, of, on account of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was Lane's hope, and now it's fulfilled. May it be your hope as well. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our blessings in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please stand for the prayers of the church. <clears throat>